This week, In the Forest of the Night, Series 8, Episode 10. One morning in every city and town in the world, the human race wakes up to face the most surprising invasion yet. Everywhere, in every land, a forest has grown overnight and taken back the earth. It doesn't take the doctor long to discover that the final days of humanity have arrived. What is it then, Dr. Smith? Just the doctor. How do you mean, just the doctor? Just the doctor. What, people call you the doctor? Yeah. Well, I'm not. As far as I'm concerned, you've got to earn that title. Well, I better make a start then. You're listening to Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. We're a nerdy podcast about all eras of Doctor Who. Sex positive, LGBTQIAP plus friendly, and socially aware. Spoilers, naughty language, a general disrespect for the Moffat era, and other adult content are likely found within. You think you're so impressive. I am so impressive. You wish. Well, hello again, and welcome to episode 25 of Oi Spaceman, a Doctor Who love story. I am, as always, Daniel, your host, and I am joined by my wonderful wife, Shana. Your co-host. My co-host, yes. My apologies. Sorry, we're actually, you'll notice this episode is about two days late. We are recording this first thing in the morning on Thursday. We're both sipping our coffees, and uh, neither one of us, I think, is completely awake just yet. No, that's true. Uh, I mean, it's 10 in the morning. You can't expect us to be, like, competent at 10 in the morning. In the world of college students, we're we're doing a bang-up job, and it was just midterms, so... Yeah. Um, but we did watch this episode. This one is In the Forest of the Night. It's written by Frank Cottrell Boyce, who was also the writer of Millions, the Danny Boyle film from a few years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and he's kind of this well-known children's author uh, kind of guy. Um, he's written a bunch of stuff in Britain that I haven't seen, but I have seen Millions, which I actually quite liked, and was directed by Cherie Folkson, the first woman director in Doctor Who for four years. I mean, okay, so first, the writer, like, that would explain why the kids are so well-written in this episode. Um, you mean annoyingly written? Yeah. I mean, they're well-written. They, they feel like kids. They're, they're kind of annoying and pushy. Um, but... I, I think we're going to have to discuss that later, but We'll discuss ahead. that more. Um, but, yeah, a, a female... I'm, <laughs> I'm more disappointed hearing that she's the first in four years than I am excited that she... She is the first in four years. You know what I mean? I'm right. okay. No, well, good job, Doctor Who. It's one of those things where um, you know Doctor Who has been criticized for um, lack of female representation in the production team. Yeah, by um, us these, too. By by us a lot. No, no. Um, it's one of the common criticisms they get, and uh, or at least have gotten in the last few years. And, uh, well, really, throughout the history, there have not been very many female directors in Doctor Who. You know know what I just realized as you started saying this? This series so far has felt a bit like somebody in the high-ups gave Moffat a checklist and said, All right, your fans are complaining. You need to do all of these things. That was exactly the point I was about to make um, about Series 8 in general, is that there are so many things where... You know, it feels a little bit like tokenism in terms of, like... Like, they released a whole bunch of the names of the directors. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, the last few episodes hadn't been filled. Mm-hmm. And then people said... You know, the immediate response people had was, 
there are no female names on this list, and either the writers or directors. And then suddenly the last three episodes are all directed by women. You know, it does feel like there's this, like, immediate decision, like, oh, you thought it was too goofy last season? Oh, let's make it super dark and, and somewhat uh, disturbing in terms of the characterizations this season. You know, like, it's th- there's definitely been that response. I feel, you know, and... You know, I don't know that I've said this about Moffat before, but I think it kind of encompasses a lot of what we have said. It, it does feel like sometimes he writes to his audience. not. And I mean, I guess we have talked about this in the, the fact that he is very aware of his fan base and how they feel about certain characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like writing to the complaints um, instead of... Uh, so again, writing teacher here... Um, Instead of taking the criticism they got and saying, like, okay, what bigger issue is this representing? They're, like, just going through and saying, okay, everywhere that the teacher has marked red are correct. But that's not a true revision. I would would agree with that. Um, I don't have the... I haven't taught writing. I'm not a writer. But um, certainly there is that, like impulse to go oh i can just i can just make these little corrections here and there as opposed to is it indicative of a larger problem with lack of for instance in this case female representation in the way that stories are being told yes um so it's great to see i think this is a well-directed episode i certainly think that just the technical challenges in terms of oh yeah um, handling this many children in an episode this many characters that are in a group that are all together and the fact that everywhere on your sight line is covered by trees no, uh, definitely very well directed. I there was like this kind of fish islands moment, certain moment early in the episode, and I was like, "What? Why are we doing a fish islands here?" Um, it's in the TARDIS, and uh, you know, it distracted me momentarily. But that's really the only complaint I would have okay. about you know. So I my only complaint about direction is like the fucking weird animals jump, jumping over the fence, and that's probably not direction. That has more to do with like technical things because it it looks like. A tiger jumping in front of a green screen? No, no, there's, there's <clears throat> definitely some... Uh, the effects are okay here, but there are some, some issues with, with some of the... You know, obviously they're not wild animals in a screen with right. our actors. And, and I mean, kinda, that's nitpicky stuff. Yeah, it kind of looks that way. But um, overall, I thought it was well-directed. I, I liked mm-hmm. the episode. I, I'm going to... I, it's hard to even talk about this episode because I feel very meh towards it. I, I feel like I it's get a very... That. Um, there were things that I really liked about the episode, and there are lots of things that came back in this episode that I was happy to have seen gone in the past one or two, or maybe it was just less than one. It, essentially, what I'm talking about is... The last I, two are the Jamie Matheson episodes. Yes, the last two then. Um, so I do feel like we have returned to some of the, um, character dynamics that we said, oh, let's... Let's hope we're getting away from that. No, they came back. Um, I think Clara and Danny's relationship is still really weird. Um, I think the doctor is still... I don't know. There, there are moments where he feels like my doctor, where, you know, like, even the part where he says, you know, I am Dr. Idiot. Uh, you know, like, there's lots of funny little jokes in here. Um, I saw online that somebody mentioned that they really liked the Coke metaphor. <laughs> like, you have a tiny glass of Coca-Cola, but there's so much sugar in it. Like, that's kind of what a TARDIS is like. And the idea that... And I guess this is what it is. The idea that the doctor knows how to talk to kids, even if he doesn't like them. He can talk to, he can talk to people. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could kind of make the argument that all humans are kind of children to him. Yeah. Before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about uh, the title here. Um, right. In the Forest <laughs> of the Night, 
for an episode that takes place entirely during the day, first of all. Let's just leave, yes. leave that sitting there. Um, it is a line <coughs> from a William Blake poem called uh, The Tiger, yeah. with a Y. And the only thing I know about that poem is that it also contains the Fearful Symmetries line, which was the uh, title of uh, issue five of The Watchmen. Oh, okay, yeah, the Watchman makes be- much better use of it. Yeah, um, so, so, so can we, since we have a, a certified poet on the podcast today... Certified? Um, usually isn't we there say like a published? Isn't there like a licensing regulatory body that like, you know, you have like a, a number... I hate and a, you. I hate like, you like a little a, bit right now. <laughs> um, so anyway, The Tiger by William Blake. I mean, one of the things, I'm just going to address some stuff right out there. I do find it annoying when pop culture uses the same five poems over and over again to reference. Whatever. Almost everybody reads this poem in, like, elementary school these days. That is both a positive and a negative thing. Um, I get this confused with the lady or the tiger, like, in my head. It's kind of one of those, you know, things. Um, But the thing with William Blake is he was was very religious. Um, And so I'm going to read the first two stanzas of the poem just to give us some context and then I want to talk about how I think it's seen in kind of the larger world and how I think he's trying to use it in this episode. Sure. So but I'm gonna try and go through this quickly. But the tiger. Tiger, tiger burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? Um, and so, and there's only, like, a few more stanzas, but essentially the poem is, uh, a, an awe-stricken look, and when I say awe, I mean in, like, the, the, the kind of romantic sense of awe, at, oh my god, nature is so amazing, look like at what- Like that religious-stricken awesome, like the yes. original meaning of awesome. Yes, but. when, when, you know, what, look at the power that God has, um, but- Ultimately, the the general reading of the poem is this is a discussion of how could God make something so beautiful and so dangerous in in one package. (laughs) Um, And so I go back, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. So why would you title something in the forest of the night? Well, is it looking at the tiger? Is it looking at the idea of creation? Um... Uh, so, like, there's a lot going on that I think he could be trying to draw from this poem of talking about good and evil and the nature of good and evil, um, but I don't really think it's actually in the episode. Yeah, no, that, you know, my my immediate thought was, because I had read the poem and I went and I looked it up again mm-hmm. and I kind of read through it and I'm just sort of like, this is sort of the fun goofy episode that comes before the kind of dark two-part finale yeah like um this is kind of the, the this half of the season's version of robot of sherwood and so it's kind of like well and now we have this literary reference it doesn't seem to like it i don't well, know there's a lot of <clears> stuff <throat> in this that feels like it doesn't really fit together and i think this is emblematic of that yeah and i i think we have all these moments where you do see that kind of good evil dichotomy um where we have characters that are taking charge and there are a lot of choices that need to be made and you have the little girl who hears voices um and it's treated like such an awful thing like this poor girl and her disability which 
is its own thing. Um, oh, no, we're definitely going to talk about the little girl. Yeah, we'll come back Maybe. to her in a second. Which is, uh, anyway. Yeah. Yes. Um, but all of that, like, again, there's no consequences. Everything gets resolved in a neat little bow. And right, well, and it's literally, you know, the, the science in this is just as bad as the science in Kill the Moon. It's a little bit less obviously egregiously so, just because it's about biology and not physics. Well, and um, I mean, so the forest grows up overnight. Eventually we find out that it's because of these small light beings. Yeah, these these kind of ancient and forever... Existing things yeah. that just come and build forces. So, so, by the way, how many species exist on the Earth that are ancient and, uh, and all-knowing? In the Doctor Who universe, you know? Yeah, there's there's several, aren't there? There, there are many, yes. It, it's yeah. at least, like, four or five. <laughs> well, and so then they build the trees to protect the planets and blah, blah, blah. Um, but they're misunderstood. So I, I see how it's like they are the monster, but they are also the savior at the same time. So maybe, like, you could get that connection well, to the poem. we're but... supposed to be scared of them because they have this ability to do this creation of the forest overnight thing uh-huh but then it turns out that they were really just trying to protect us mm-hmm. but they couldn't just fucking say that like well they could only say it to a little girl they can only say it to the the little girl i don't i don't like no it, this makes very little sense i mean there's just yes there, you can't this is fairy tale logic and i think it's explicitly fairy tale logic and i mean they address it several times they say like doesn't this feel like a fairy tale isn't this enchanting and, um and danny oh god he has some obnoxious line about you know yes it's i'm enchanted it's all wonderful but i'm concerned about the child and clara gets to say oh that makes you even more attractive and i'm like jesus yeah yeah heteronormativity <laughs> rules well and like all right let's let's before i <clears throat> let's get take in, a step back before i get into the clary Dana, danny stuff yeah um which we we want to cover we want to we're going to have to kind of hit some stuff pretty quickly here just because... There's a lot in There's this a lot to... You know, it's kind of like I got to the end of the episode and I'm just kind of like, eh, who cares? But then, like, you start digging in. The moment you start taking this apart at all, it's a mess. Um, and I think that that's what makes it so meh is, like, it is. it really feels like it was written completely surface level. Well, it feels like it was written in this... Um, I mean, it feels like, you know, I say this a lot mm-hmm. when talking about Moffat Who. If this had been a two-parter or a three-parter, and we had more time to deal with the characters, yeah. more time to deal with the situation, and more time to actually build some of the stuff into something, you know, even if it was 45 minutes long, but you didn't have this extended comedy bits with the the children you know and these or kind of... if those comedy bits actually built character or you know why did we even need the zoo animals because we had to have a tiger in the episode because of the because we referenced the poem the tiger right like just just to build some artificial threat in the middle of an episode to have something that danny can kind of magically save people from because he has a flashlight and um, honestly like as much as the, the forced stuff like, okay, I'm willing to let go of all the magical woo-woo in the world, but, like, for some reason I'm like, that's not how tigers act! 
This is not how tigers hunt. This is not how wolves hunt. This is like, you, you don't even know how the animals would act. Like, if you point a light at, at a tiger, it's like gonna react like a cat, which is like, you're sticking a light at me, but if I'm hungry, I'm still gonna eat you. Yeah, it's, no, it's and that ridiculous. Was, like, it, it was literally, it's it's the Danny doing a flip moment of the episode, yeah. where it's like, how, that wouldn't have helped in any way. I should really title this episode... I shine a flashlight in a tiger, so I deserve Clara's pussy. Because apparently, if I put the word pussy in the episode titles, people actually listen. Oh, did we get more listens? We get more listens on that one, yeah. So, it's tempting. It's tempting. It's tempting, but I hope you resist that I resist the urge to to talk about Clara's pussy in every episode. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no. Too late. Sorry, folks. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Wah, wah. Wah, wah. So... Let's talk about Mabe. Um, and, well, the children in general. I found the children completely annoying and ridiculous. So They here's... felt like they all had stupid little, like, they're all caricatures. Yes. Except possibly for Mabe. They're all, they all have, like, quips. And that's what yes. they do. They, so they come is, in, they and, deliver a funny <clears> line. And, and this is what bothers me. The quips that they have are meant to give instant insight to that character, Right. Because there's one kid who's like, we saw a forest grow up overnight. We don't care about, like, the tar- we're not impressed by the TARDIS anymore. And there's another kid who's like, um, says, I'm not creative. You can ask Miss Oswald. She says so. So we're like, one, it's a dig at Clara as a teacher, which it's like, oh, yay, we get to dig at Clara again as, a, as you know, an independent being. Um, but it's also... Like, oh, we're meant to think this child just accepts everything she's told about herself or something. Um, and then... The well, main... and didn't we spend a whole episode talking about the doctor tells the little girl she's not special and so he has to make her feel better? Yeah. Wasn't that the whole point of killing there, her? There's all and these weird Clara's things. And now Clara's telling people that they're not special? Like, Yeah. Um, and it's actually funny. I was going to bring up this quote later, um, but to bring it up now, like... This is another situation where the doctor, who who is usually the person saying, I have never met anyone who is not important. Um, Danny actually says, in a very cheesy moment with Clara, actually, but still, Danny says, one person is more amazing, harder to understand, but more amazing than universes. And in, in that context, it's so friggin' cheesy, but it's, again, an episode where we see the characters around the Doctor acting like the Doctor. Sure, and, I mean, the Doctor would in ordinary... I mean, particularly the Ninth and Tenth Doctors, you really saw this, like, embracing of the kind of ordinary humanity, uh, much more so than we saw in the classic series, and Mm -hmm. much more so than we've seen in the uh, the years since. Um, So, you know, that's kind of an R.T.D. Gardner era trope that we just kind of see over and over again yeah but certainly that's you know we can't expect every doctor to behave the same way and i and i think it would be dull if every doctor was just always like in love with you know the kind of the uh, what's his name uh the weasley twins dad uh you know oh. like always loving the like oh look they managed to do these things without magic uh, right making a harry potter reference sorry but you know oh, that's good like if every doctor was sort of like that oh look they managed to like make photocopies without like you know or whatever you well know. and i'm not saying that he has to to be in love with humanity um but there is the one point in the episode where he 
he says this is my earth too essentially well he's echoing the stuff at the end of kill the moon and yeah. uh where clara i mean leaves him or tells him to go away mm-hmm. and she she tells him you breathe our air you are one of us whether you like it or not nope. i mean it's yeah. it's a literal echo of the exact same lines where well, the doctor is and to well, her. and she says that you're so used to saving the earth let the earth save you go save another world right um well, it's, it's it. There's so much that in another context, in another story, if they had spent more time with it, that could have been an interesting conversation. But there's nothing. It's always just one line that is meant to stand in for a lot of information, and then you just move on. No, I absolutely agree, and I think that there is this element here. Um, again, I, I think you liked the kids a little bit more than I did. Um, well, let me say this: I think the kids were realistically written. Um, for some reason, they all happened to be annoying, um, except for Mabe, who, Mabe or Mabe, I don't know. And, okay, and this is another, if we ever get a a listener from the UK, uh, I looked it up. Mabe is an Irish name. Um, I, I always wonder if there are some kind of cultural things when they have very Irish sounding names or very Welsh sounding names, because I know... Just just like the U.S., England, and everywhere has the, their kind of regional ideas of how people act, so... Well, if you, had a, if you had a story set in New York City, and suddenly it's like, oh, there's this character from Minnesota, and they come up while talking exactly. like March Gunderson and Fargo, like, oh yeah, you know, then mm-hmm. that would be signaling something to the audience. And... Well, and I do wonder, just because Mabe is, is the one who is a little touched and, you know, all that kind of stuff... I don't know. Let, I'm just throwing that out there. Let, let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, but mental, let's talk about let's Mabe. Talk mental illness and and Mabe. My issue. So, I think this episode suffers from a very large helping of the um, nobility of disability kind yeah. of phenomenon. Yeah. Um, oh, she shouldn't take her meds. The meds are you know like that's a really t- well, that's, and, and that's we, a really bad message for a show that's ostensibly aimed at families to be sending. And not only that, so we have two things. It, 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 <laughs> this episode does both extremes of bad things you do when you talk about mental illness um, or mental health concerns. Um, on the one hand, they pity her. They treat her like she's disabled. She's the one who gets lost. She's the one, you know, like, and for most of the episode, she is running around batting things from her face with no explanation, like literally running around like the stereotype of a crazy person. Right. Um, and then when the doctor empowers her and says, no, 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 you stupid humans, she's hearing voices and you want to shut them up, which that kind of commentary you you can't take that commentary out of the context of talking about people who actually do suffer from schizophrenia and right. people who do hear voices and that those voices are not those are not it, it's not something silly you know there there are people who have voices who tell them every day you should kill your family or you, you know everyone out there's there, trying to get you there are ways this is a of- very real thing um but there are ways of dealing with it that would not have a child who's possibly watching it say, oh, I should just go off my meds because the voices may be aliens and the doctor will come and save me. And it's just, it's so problematic. 
It's very problematic. Mm-hmm. And if they had not rushed through it the way they did, yeah. if they had kind of dealt with it in a in a more consequence, you know, like in a... If it wasn't so flippant. It, even, even if you had a single line that was something like the doctor saying, you know, listen, listen to what she's saying. It's actually representing things that you're seeing around you. It's actually, yes. you know, and saying in most cases and virtually all cases, people, you know... We have to it, we all, have to all, look at what she's saying and see if it's actually real or not before we can make this determination. Yes, and that is very different. And that would have been a great statement to be able to say she's not acting like everybody else, but maybe she's not like the voices she's hearing are there and like following through with the consequences, like you said. I, I that, that totally could have been. But that would mean having to take more than five seconds. To, well, to, and it would have yeah. had it would have meant having to respect that character more too, of being mm-hmm. able to say, you know, I I don't know. It's so frustrating to me on so many levels, especially. And we mentioned this when we were watching it, especially when you have a very similar kind of storyline represented in Fear Her again, an Which episode that we love, everybody hates, and everybody hates, but. Personally, I think if you like the child performances in this episode and you are okay with the way children are treated in this episode and the actors in this episode, you need to stop bitching about Chloe Weber's acting in Fear Her. Yeah! Because she is at least as good as any of the kids in this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, and... I mean, better, really. I'm sorry, poor little girl Mabe. And I mean, that's not her fault. Maybe it's the female director's fault. Uh, But the waving of the hands was just so awful. It was so awful. Well, it's so telegraphing, ultimately. It's meant to telegraph visually. Oh, there's something really wrong here or something, you know? And then, anyway. You know, there are, for example, here, I'll do this. There is another show. So it reminds me kind of of Alphas in that... There is a character who, to the world... Alpha's the TV, the American, the now-canceled American yes. science fiction TV show. Um, to the rest of the world, this character has all the very common and real traits of autism. Um, or at least Asperger's. At, or at least somewhere, Asperger's. ASD. Somewhere yeah, somewhere on the spectrum. We're trying um, to be inc- all-encompassing yes. and, and welcoming here, non-judgmental. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm totally non-judgmental. Um, but the character, when you see him in his daily life with his mom... They have all the struggles of a real relationship. She respects him and is trying to give him independence. It is a really positive portrayal of somebody living on with uh, on spectrum. You find out that he actually has a power to view um, electronic signals, and and I mean that it's kind of an X Men magic woo woo thing. But he he has magic powers over computers, essentially. Yeah, but. It it gives purpose to his illness in a way, and it's it's. I just th- thought it was really well done. No, no, and that character, but you know, again, I, I, we're not trying to talk about a different show, but 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 to bring it back here, like imagine just subtract everything else we know about this episode, and yeah. just imagine a little girl with some kind of mental issue mm-hmm. wanders onto the TARDIS. And London has been overgrown with trees, with a forest. And the episode is the Doctor and this little girl, and maybe mm-hmm. Clara, just happen to be there, mm-hmm. trying to understand what this girl is seeing and trying to get her back to Taking her Taking her seriously because she is a human being worth being taken serious. I mean, take everything else out of this episode. Yeah. 
you can still do a lot of the same stuff that you do in this episode. But if that's but, the focus of the episode, it would have been so much better. And I, I think there are some moments that get glanced over, too, where, you know... They try to do so much in this episode, and they they try to show how the kids start out not working as a group and then end up really enjoy working as a group, and that Danny's a good leader, and that's uh, because he's a soldier, and like, which I is all did. kind of just really superficial feeling. Let's 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 move on to Danny because you you brought it up. I think of this as Danny the Scoutmaster. Exactly. You know, he's he he talks a big game about having a responsibility to these kids mm-hmm. to keep them safe and to get them home. Mm-hmm. We don't see we see him traipsing around the woods aimlessly because he like Well, no. He says he finds the light poles, they're following the street. Well, yeah, like, but it but it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem focused. Like I need to get these children back to their parents. You see, one of the other kids is dicking around on his phone the entire time. Yeah. Communication networks work in, in this episode. Let's call their parents. Hey, where are you? Are you safe? Yeah. Like, like very so it basic. Skips, yeah, it skips over some basic stuff. I I'm mean, not going to say that. And, and <laughs> I mean, it's just that sort of like, if you're trying to like draw this distinction, because this episode ultimately, and kind of where we're going with series eight, It feels like is Clara is essentially making the choice between, you know, predictable home life, Danny Pink, you know, Mm -hmm. like look at the things in front of you rather than reliable stereotype of masculinity uh, of just like very standard issue dude. Yeah. Versus going off and gallivanting about the universe and like Clara having to make the choice. And this episode very explicitly makes that, you know, Mm -hmm. distinction. If you're going to do that, Danny has to actually be responsible. Mm-hmm. And by the evidence that I see in this episode, Danny is horrifyingly not responsible for these kids. Uh, I mean, that's where the plot takes him. Well, like, yes, I see what you're saying. If, if, if we lived in the real world, none of this would have happened. Uh, they wouldn't have left the museum if there was a, mu- a, a, a sleep... A there was a sleepover at the museum, one that only has two teachers. Well, I mean, if there are only that like never would have happened. Students, maybe like you know. no, you'd have you'd have at least one parent. You like legally, at least in the U.S., maybe Britons like trust their teachers more. Um, there was no one in the museum. The mu- a museum would never let people spend the night without you had having one elderly a guard who apparently can't work the uh, the uh, door code to let them out in yeah. the morning. You know, yeah. like there would have been an employee. There would have been so like there are lots of just little niggling things that then like they there it would be okay if there was something else that supported everything else that was going on, but it's not. So I get what you're saying. Um, but I think it's kind of like there are all these kind of superficial points because we wanted to make this happen. We right. wanted to have Danny with a troop of kids following around him and say, look, being a soldier can be good. Well, he can leave a squad. And, and, I, and I'm fine with that if they, again, take it seriously enough to actually like justify this explicitly. Uh-huh. And to say, you know, like, all it takes is one short scene with Danny... Not, you know, either not able to get a hold of parents or making a plan. Where do mm-hmm. you guys live? Give me your addresses. Mm-hmm. We're going to take you all home. I'm making mm-hmm. a plot in order of, like, this is how we're going to do mm-hmm. this. 
assigning responsibilities to people. Like, mm-hmm. if we're going to make that argument... Yeah, if you're going to give one kid a compass and call him a navigator... Make sure he actually fucking knows how to navigate. Yeah. Like, you and, know... I mean, that was meant as a moment, like... And this is the thing. I can see what they're trying to do. It's like, I see what you're trying to do, which is take this kid that you're complaining about and isn't interested and give him something to do, and by the end of the episode, he's totally engaged, and he, like is learning things, and, like, there's some kind of commentary on that, but it fails. Well, and they're trying to make the commentary also, you know, going back to the fear as a superpower thing, you know, mm-hmm. tying the whole, like, it's interesting how much we're, like, tying all the episodes in this series together now, which mm-hmm. series one was kind of like that, you know, mm-hmm. how things kind of came back, so I, I, I like it. You yeah, know, we'll no, it's, I am totally fine with having thematic like cues throughout a series um but but so you you remember this is my other quote he he says earlier in the episode about this you know your your anger is a superpower he brings that back up but he also at the end says it's a human superpower forgetting if you remembered how things felt you'd have stopped having wars wouldn't it have been great if he stopped there but he doesn't and stopped having babies so let me read that again. <laughs> it's a human superpower forgetting. If you'd remembered how things felt, you'd have stopped having wars and stopped having babies. And... Well, you can read that in the way that I read it. Mm-hmm. Is the paradox of the superpowers that, you know, if we were able to forget, mm-hmm. if we were less able to forget, we would lose both positive and negative things. You know what I mean? Like, like that it's... It's not, it is a double-edged sword, as much as I hate the term, but, um... Yes, but so... Spoken in isolation like that, and putting in that context, uh, very, very weird. Um, a very weird, um, moment. Also, A commentary like, directly on Danny and Clara. Uh, you read it, it that way? I do, because I see... Because of the sexism in this series, except for those two episodes... Um, and because of where this character progression is going, and because of all the other things that we see Clara and Danny, how they interact in this episode, when he comes to the end and he's saying, you know, essentially what you'd forget are wars, talking about this whole soldier masculinity, blah, blah, blah. So we have him talking about, like, kind of these symbols of masculinity, and then he has the symbols of creation and femininity and having babies, and it's, you know, we have all this stuff in the episode with the annoying kids. Um, Yeah, that's a really interesting reading of that line. I, I, you know, I didn't go anywhere near that deep on it. I thought it was just a silly line, but... um, But I also think it's... I, I don't... There are certain episodes in this series that feel definitely like... Moffat's commentary on on what a family is sure um and what kids are to a family and how we relate to them and they're not my ideas of a family Uh, no certainly i mean um very there's a there's a very heteronormative kind of uh thing i don't know like but for me okay it's hard for me to write to read too much into this episode just because it's not written by Moffat. 
and it's not like we are having some of the same issues. I, you know, it's just it's a lot easier to talk about it when it's something that feels a little bit more directly Moffaty, whereas this doesn't feel quite as overtly that. I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time on this in the next two because they're both written by Moffat. So yeah, yeah. and that's fair. Um, I guess just for me as. Because it comes at the very end of the episode. It comes at that point where it's like, okay, the doctor's going to say his line that kind of summarizes the point of, of what we just watched, which they've done in a bunch of episodes right, recently. No, no, no. I mean, it's certainly like a, a thing, you know, that, and that the doctor does. Is, if, if he had stopped at, you know, you, the power of, if you had the power of forgetting, you, or if you didn't have that superpower of forgetting, you'd stop having wars. That makes the evil and good about you know, you would end destruction. But if you couldn't forget, the and babies part feels like a clever joke to me in this context. It's like you'd stop having wars feels profound and babies feels like, oh man, don't kids suck. (laughs) And I mean, it's just... I don't know. I don't know. I feel. You know, I mean, it's I, really, it's really weird that we spent this much time on this one line. But you're, you're right. There is there. I, I don't. I thought I had a really good handle on what that line was trying to say, and now I don't think I had a good handle on what that line was trying to say at all. I think, I think you're right that all of this is there. Whenever I, just, I don't know how to respond because I'm like, when a male writer writes about childbirth, <laughs> so I mean, it, it's just there were a lot of issues. Only because it's in the context of this episode. Right. Like, if this was in a different episode, I might not have focused on this line so much. But when I was going back through and looking for quotes and I read that, I was like, wow, that crystallizes a lot of things um, that I saw wrong in this episode for me. And yeah, maybe my close reading is is too much. Maybe I'm going well, into too much I'm, depth. I'm in no way trying to say it's too much. It's just sort of like... I, I don't know. I This is why I like talking about Doctor Who with you, because you come up with stuff that I like. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to sit and think about that for a little while. I You know? I I don't know. Because, Please, and it's email hard. us at com and let us know what you think. Yeah, because it's hard for me to see when you have... If, if there was purpose behind this writing at all, and I'm trying to look thematically and say, okay, we have the title... From the William Blake poem that is meant to bring up this idea of good and evil. We have Danny slipping into soldier mode or as close to it with a group of kids. Scoutmaster. Scoutmaster Danny. I'm sorry. Scoutmaster Danny. Because that's what, you know, that's what the scouts are in a lot of ways is preparing you to... I, I was a Cub Scout, so like yeah. I know the type. Like this, yeah. he reads almost like an Adam Sandler movie to me at times. You know, he's yeah, it's, so it's like straight up chipper, goofy. And, you know, and. There's a part of me that's like, well, he is balancing the fact that he is trying to be in control, but also the fact that these are children still. Um, And I guess because we have that going on this whole episode, this kind of like, Danny is guiding these children through what is possibly a war zone, because for most of the episode, we are supposed to think that these creatures are somehow attacking the planet. Well, and, you know, we're... One of those big things for me is, like, the lack of world building here. Like, the lack of, like, any other consequence other than, like, there's a big forest and and then you have to walk through it. 
and maybe some zoo animals got out, but, like, you never see any other people. You know, the one really creepy moment in this episode for me was when uh, Mabe comes across the guys trying to burn the trees. And they're all in these, like, you know, reflective suits and that sort of thing. And the idea that the government response or the kind of human response to this thing might be a tragic moment or might be a um you know again something else that we could have dealt with but we yeah. kind of spend eight seconds on it and, and again we're gone. that would have worked in the story where we just let Mae be the story yeah but for some reason we had to have a whole troop of kids because we had to have danny following them around and we had to make some kind of like moment where clara could be attracted to him because he's showing good masculine fatherly traits eye roll um I have a there. There's some really interesting. I, I'm trying to start to wrap up here, but yeah. Um, there's some really weird stuff going on with Danny mm-hmm. in this episode, and I'm not quite sure where I'm landing on it. I mm-hmm. I think I mean the next two the the, the series finale. We know we're going to be heavily Clara based. Um, we already know that the commercials are trolling us because Clara gets up and says maybe Clara Oswald never existed. Yeah, which is one of the, like, I don't know. Um, Do you have any other thoughts about In the Forest of the Night? No, and I mean, I know that I've gone into a lot of dissection on, like, some pretty simple things, but I think that that's because there's not a whole lot here. There's not a lot here, and uh, I was was intending to talk a little bit more, in a little more detail about the um, terrible biology here, but I'm just going to let that go, and um, maybe if I do the episode I threatened people with about doing the Kill the Moon bad science by Mm -hmm. myself, maybe I'll make a twofer. It'll be the bad science of Kill the Moon and... um, I think you could wait till we're done with Series 8 and just do one that's all the bad science and series yeah well would would focus on these main two episodes but still there's some there's some really terrible stuff i've definitely i don't know like some interestingly bad science almost like but no it makes no sense um it does make no sense i mean they had a statue fall over yeah, like, well, I thought that what other what else what other damage did it cause? No big deal. Sun flare, right. yeah, the trees sun, are gone. The sol- well, and like, okay, so the solar flare isn't made of fire. Okay, no, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do this. Oh yeah, it's made out of electromagnetic radiation, which there's no reason to think. Any- All right, no, we're the sun is not a giant ball of fire, and um, you know, anyway, yeah. I'm not doing the bad science right now, but no. it's there. It's really terrible. It is so. That's as much as we're going to say about it right now. Um, I did want to take just a second. Do you have any predictions for the last two of Series 8? I'm going to hate them. <laughs> we're, not doing good, we're not doing well on Series finales, are we? No. Um, no. And um, if Moffat's writing them, I don't trust him anymore. The There's been so much speculation about, you know... Missy and Clara. Oh, and Missy. Who's Missy, gonna... who is literally, literally wearing a Mary Poppins hat yes. in the next episode. I mean, she is Mary Poppins. I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm like, if they don't address that, I'm, I'm. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they talk about you know the the big. <laughs> There is the old joke that Mary Poppins is a Time Lord because she has a bag that's bigger on the inside. And I know. know, and she they reference the movie directly in The Idiot's Lantern. Like, they have direct um, text from the movie that is said in Idiot's Lantern. Um, oh, I, I didn't remember that, but I believe you. Yeah, it's... So when they come in and uh, it's the... Would the Queen do that? Or I don't know. 
Look, look we're, up. We're, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to review the Idiot's Lantern at some point. Yeah, we'll yeah. review it and and I'll mention it again because it's it's one of the great little like suffragette lines in Mary Poppins, and it gets taken into Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, I don't know. All right, predictions so, for series eight. BDSM Mary Poppins actually is BDSM Mary Poppins. Actually, I would watch that video, but you know. <sighs> yes, you would. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I have <laughs> I have no clue what where they're going because Moffat has done a really good job at saying, "Hey, all this foreshadowing doesn't mean anything." Well, the with one, past series, I guess uh, the one thing that I are the big, you know, the end of series seven, you find out who the Impossible Girl is, mm-hmm. and you spent the entire like all of series seven teasing that. Uh huh. And it turned out to be something that you never, like, you could not have predicted. Exactly. Advance, you know? And so I've really not spent any time thinking about this. I think a lot of fans, I mean, people are almost doing, like, parody versions of it to where they're just saying, like, well, clearly this, you know, eye roll in this moment means that Missy is the master and Clara is really Romana and, you know, all the, you know, like, people are literally just making up parody versions of it because it's, because so of the amount of uh, weird silliness clues. that gets spread throughout with this. Um, I don't think we've been given enough information either. No. And I I think like if if what he's trying to build up is like are Claire is Clara going to choose Danny over the doctor and she has to cl- choose one or the other. Sounds really familiar. Well, um, yeah, storyline no. by the way. Um but also like <sighs> I love the degree, I don't care. I love the degree to which they're trying to pretend like we didn't do this with Amy and Rory. I know. You know, for two years, we did not totally do this with Amy and Rory. I know. And it's like, Danny is the companion that's not a companion. What? Didn't we yeah. do this before? We, we did this We did this with Mickey. Yeah. And we did this with Rory. At least with Mickey, you it know? was better done. And, well, with me, I, I agree with that. But, I mean, we're... I mean, we're we're not even taking a companion off to not do this. You know, yeah. we literally have done the same storyline with two consecutive com- companions. It, it, it's um, just it's it's boring. It's and honestly, I think the reason that I liked the little kids in this episode is I really like Peter Capaldi's interactions with the kids. Peter Capaldi with the kids was good. I thought the kids were annoying. Uh, yeah, and honestly, if it was a group of honor students, which they said, well, they said they're not really honor students. Oh, they're not really gifted and talented. They're, these are these are, and this is kind of the the thing that we're wrapping up here. But they're saying these are the kids with the quote unquote superpowers. Oh. This one doesn't listen. This one is angry. This one is, you know, and they're trying to, mm. like, the idea of taking this group of kids and giving them each the chance to take what is, what we think of as maybe as a... Bad trait. Bad trait, but then it possibly has, can be channeled to good. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea for a story. And also makes more sense with the William Blake reference. I, I mean, I legitimately feel like this is... You know, they gave the writer, okay, you, it feels like a two-parter that's been trimmed into one part, and that mm-hmm. all the interesting stuff got left out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and all we're left with is the bare-bones skeleton of a plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hate this episode. I think there is stuff going on that I like, but it's just kind of, it's such a, it just doesn't add up to anything, and it doesn't, you know. No. Um, and it it was pretty. It was really pretty, and and there's that's definitely worth it. And you know the next two are going to be really dark. So I mean, I guess a little bit of lightness before that is is worthwhile. But 
I just, to me, it just feels like a place filler. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so, um, no, no further thoughts, I would assume? Mm-mm. All right, you can find us, all our episodes, at oispaceman.libsyn.com. That's oispaceman.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on uh, Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, you can find Shayna on Twitter at Inkyosa and also at Tumblr, I-N-K-Y-O-S-A. You can find me, Daniel E. Harper, in both places. You can email us at oispacemanpodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to actually read some emails going into the, the two-part finale. So mm-hmm. um, if we do get some emails, we'd love to uh, try to read some of those. So we'll kind of, kind of keep Or Facebook mind. messages. Or Facebook. We are on Facebook. You can find us if you search for Oispaceman on Facebook. I think we're one of the first couple of links. So mm-hmm. it'll be easy to find us. And all those links will be in the show notes. Um, Thank you so much for joining me, and until we have a better close-off thing, until next week, the balcony is closed. I I would almost say, until next week, the couch is closed, because we're sitting on the couch right now. Or the couch is empty. The couch isn't empty. No, it's never empty. No. Alright, bye guys!